anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I, of course, am your host. You all know that. The voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. And it is Tuesday. We are at Cinco de Mayo and Taco Tuesday, all on the same day. And everything is shut down because of a disease named after a Mexican beer. You can't make this stuff up, ladies and gentlemen. You really can't. And I am still broadcasting once again, deep behind enemy lines here in Chicago, where the quarantine continues. They have extended it to May 30th. That is the next target date for, I don't know, till they're going to allow people, allow the subjects of the government to have a modicum of their freedom back and perhaps go outside or go back to work or um, see your family and friends. And speaking of that, I actually broke the quarantine this past weekend. I got outside for a little bit, despite the fact that you're not supposed to be out in public now without a face mask. That's the, the new edict to come from our wise overlords over here in Chicago. Can't go out in public without a face mask on. That's the new plan, ladies and gentlemen. You are required, your wise overlords have have deemed it necessary these same ones who once upon a time you know i'm old enough to remember they came out and said that oh don't worry you, you shouldn't be wearing masks they don't do anything to protect you from the coronavirus don't do that they are now requiring it in chicago if you're out in public spaces there's a lot of people violating that but it was still a, a vast majority of people abiding by it and <laughs> I just, I can't get over the fact that people are so submissive. It's really something to see. But it was gorgeous here this weekend. It was mid-70s and sunny Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, I went out and tried to return a package through UPS. They wouldn't serve me because I didn't have a mask on. And uh, got into it a little bit with the guy that worked there. Just wanted to hear his thoughts, uh, hear his rationale for not taking my package and, and putting it into a box and shipping it for me because I didn't have a mask on. Even if I was willing to just put it on, like just leave it where I stand and he can come get it, right? Or I could just put it on the counter and walk out and he can come get it. But no, 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 no. I, he can only do it one way, and that's if I have a mask on. Okay. He was a younger guy, and I know he's probably just doing his job I think this was before I realized that the uh, that, that the governor had come out and made it mandatory for uh, for masks out in public because I, I saw tons of people out without masks. I, I would say at least twenty percent of the people were ignoring that government edict. 
But, you know, this guy was being kind of a prick about it, and he was just kind of being a dick. So I, you know, I gave him a little jazz, and I was just like, well, you have a mask on. What are you worried about? <laughs> like, what are you? I've been cooped up in my place for two months. I know I don't have coronavirus, or at least I didn't until I exposed myself in the real world on Saturday. And uh, I was like, you got, you got your mask, you got your gloves. What's the problem here? I don't understand what you're worried about. To which, you know, he didn't have an answer, and I just kind of walked out. And when I, t- when I tell people this story, they're always like, well, you know, the mask, it- it's-, it's so that you don't spread the coronavirus. It doesn't prevent you from getting the coronavirus. I mean, I'm sure it depends on what kind of mask you have, but if the mask is keeping, you know, because it's in your in your saliva droplets, right? When you're talking, you're spitting everywhere, these little droplets that have the virus. Well, if the mask stops the droplets from going from your mouth onto other people, wouldn't that same mask stop the droplets from other people's mouth onto you, onto your mouth? I, I mean, if it, if it stops the droplets going out, it's going to stop them going in, right? And by the way, we're like six feet apart. I'm not talking to him. I'm just going to pass him a, a thing, and he's going to put it in a box. And no, no. You got to have a mask. So I walked out of there and I went to FedEx and just got raped by them. I had to buy a, 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 buy a $16 box from them. <laughs> Originally, she's like, oh, it's artwork. I got to put it in an art box. And they can't both go in the same box. And just so you know, each box is about $24. And that doesn't include shipping. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. That's going to cost me more than the artwork is worth. So it's like, just throw it in a regular box, throw both of them in a regular box. She's like, I can't do that, sir. And I was just happy that she was actually serving me because I didn't have a mask on, but they didn't give a shit. You know, it's gotten to the point where if you're not wearing a mask outside, you feel like the fucking weirdo. Like these people have me feeling like I, I'm some crazy person for not wanting to wear a mask. But um, she didn't, she was cool. She didn't seem to care. I mean, of course, they don't care if I had a mask on. Uh, they don't give a shit if you got a mask on as long as you're going to shell out 25 bucks for a fucking box. <laughs> and I was like, she's like, I, I can't put it in a box like that. It, it, like, I'm not authorized to do it or something. She's like, I can sell you the box and you can put it in. All right, I'll do that. So she gives me this gigantic box, which is way too big. And I was like, you don't have anything small. She's like, no, nah, that's it. And then she tries to upsell me on package material. It's like, you want to buy some extra packing material to fill in the space on the gigantic box, that you, all the extra space that I'm charging you for that you didn't need? And I was like, no, no, I don't want to do that. I don't even think this company's going to reimburse me for this. So uh, no. And I had it all, all bubble wrapped anyway. So I was just like, give me the box, $16. I threw that stuff in there. <laughs> she was nice enough to let me use her tape. She didn't make me buy a new tape. I taped it up and... Got back to the uh, the end of the line to to ship it again. That was fun. I basically worked at uh, FedEx for for about 25, 30 minutes to get that stuff shipped out, and it ended up costing me about fifty bucks all in. And uh, we'll see what happens. Not too uh, not too happy about that. But this mask thing is this is real. This is you can't go out like my friends were trying to go to Home Depot or Target and they are turning you away unless you're wearing a mask. But I just really don't like the way the world is going to look even once they allow us 
so graciously allow us to leave our house. But Sunday got together. I broke quarantine, broke all the rules this weekend. And I went over to my friend's house who was having a, a few people. Over. You know, he lives with his girlfriend and her uh, mom and boyfriend were over for a little barbecue. And there, uh, her brother was there. And then one of one another one of my friends was actually there, and and I stopped by with a bottle of wine, and I actually got to interact with some people for the first time, in probably two months, and it was fun, and um, you know didn't seem like a big deal. We didn't have our masks on. We took some precaution. We weren't like hugging everybody and everything like that. But my buddy was giving people haircuts because everybody needs a goddamn haircut now, myself included. My hair is getting out of control, and I, I was taking a lot of heat for that, looking like Elvis over here. But um, I just can't. I hate that feeling of having hair on, on your neck, like after you get a haircut. It's just I was not going to to ruin the entire night for that. But had a pretty good time, you know. Drank a little bit, maybe a little too much. Watched the the Bulls documentary that uh, the the two episodes that came out on Sunday watch that with uh with a couple friends sitting a few feet apart whatever drinking having a good time just living life as best we could given the circumstances and uh, we'll, we'll see if I survive it I don't know I don't know maybe I maybe I caught the coronavirus maybe I didn't at this point I don't really care there were a ton of people outside, like, I, like I've been saying, that when this weather turns, you're not going to be able to contain people. It's just not going to happen. Maybe you could talk them into wearing masks if you're, going to, if you're prepared to throw them in a cage for not doing so, which is just, you, you got to love this government logic, right? Oh, well, you know, you, you can't be out in public. You can't be too close to anybody. And if you absolutely have to go outside, you better have a mask on. Otherwise, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take that mask off of you, and we're going to throw you in a cage with a bunch of other people in close proximity, and you're just going to have to sit there, and that's the plan. They're going to literally violate all of their other rules because you didn't want to wear a mask while you were out jogging or walking your dog or walking around the block or something like that. They'll claim it's for your safety, as they always do, but what are they actually doing? They're putting you in more danger by arresting you than you ever would have been walking down the street. Unbelievable. Unbelievably stupid. But that's government. That's how, that's how they operate. This is, the, this is the rule, the one rule for everybody, and we all must abide by it, and there are no, there's no nuance here. There's no exceptions. It's just I, I'm not allowed to use any discretion. It's just I have to do this. You didn't have your mask on? Oh, maybe they'll hit you with a fine first. And if you don't pay the fine, then they'll come and get you and put you in the cage. But ultimately, you're going in a cage with a bunch of other people. And um, I'm sure this coronavirus has spread rampantly through uh, all of these prisons. I haven't heard a lot about prisoners dying from this, though, by the way. I think I, last I heard, they were just assuming that everybody in the prison had it. And that was the last I heard. I don't know. Maybe they're dying left and right. But I feel like that would be a story that would be out there if it was the case. Anyway, I didn't see a whole lot of um, really important news stories or anything going on that I just felt uh, very compelled to talk about today. So, I, you know, the big news in 
libertarian circles is that Justin Amash is running for president on the libertarian ticket. And I actually, Johnny the Jew texted me the other day. He's doing well, by the way, for all you guys uh, that remember good old Johnny the Jew. He's doing just fine. And he sends me a text the other night. He's like, dude, aren't you, uh, are, are you just like so excited about Justin Amash? And I think he was a little surprised by my answer because I was like, uh, no, I, 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 I can't stand that guy. He's, he's been driving me crazy for probably a year, maybe two years now. He is, I mean, don't get me wrong. His voting record libertarian wise is, is good. And we, if we had, you know, a couple hundred of him representing people in Washington, we'd have a much better government. No, no doubt about that. But he's just been, I, I don't like his approach to things and I, I don't trust his, um, his agenda here either because he was, so he was a Republican. Okay. And the only re- like nobody knows who Justin Amash is. Okay, if you're not a libertarian, you don't know who Justin Amash is. If you're not obsessed with politics, you're, you don't know who Justin Amash is. The American people do not know who Justin Amash is, right? I just happen to know about him because, you know, I, I kind of run in these circles. And there's only a handful of, of people in government that libertarians can point to and be like, yeah, you know, this guy's pretty good. And he was one of them for a while. And he was on the Republican side. And then he was going to lose re-election. I think he was getting, like, gerrymandered out uh, of basically getting re-elected. Like, they were doing all this redistricting stuff, and he was going to lose re-election. So he starts running as an independent. And now he's decided that he's going to run for president. And the best way to do that for him is... Is not to be an independent, right? And he can't. He he's been exiled from Republicans. He can't run on the Democrat ticket for obvious reasons. They got a million people that ran already, and they've chosen their guy in Joe Biden. So he's like, well, I can run as as a Libertarian and get ballot access on all fifty states. So right right off the bat, I don't trust the, this guy. It seems like he's trying to just sort of hijack the Libertarian Party nomination. Uh, for his own personal gain. I, I don't know if if he really genuinely is a libertarian. He certainly has a, a libertarian leanings. But he also does this weird... Like, he his whole thing was the he supported the, the impeachment of Trump. Like, that was the battle that he chose to fight, which is just a retarded thing to do. I just what a dumb fight to pick. Impeach Donald Trump for a quid pro quo. That, that was his big thing, right? And now he comes out and he, he's going to run. And this is, I mean, this is a big deal, right? He's like a respect, he, he was a big politician. He was in one of the respected parties. And now he's coming over to the Libertarian Party, which has always been a joke. And this has a lot of people running in those party circles all excited. Like, oh, this is really going to help us get more votes, more people to vote Libertarian. And you guys know that I am not big on this whole voting thing. And I don't participate in any of these uh, these elections, really. But the idea that getting what's essentially a, a protest vote because Justin Amash is, is not Donald Trump and he's not Joe Biden, and, and this will get us like 
a couple extra, a couple hundred thousand more votes, one-time votes for libertarianism, it, it doesn't matter. It, it's such a stupid thing to focus on, and yet this is what the party is all concerned about. They, they think that getting, you know, four million votes instead of three million votes is the biggest victory in the world, even though those are just going to be one-time votes unless you can make the case for libertarianism and actually influence people's way of thinking change their minds unless you can get them to get interested in libertarianism and, and get excited about it unless you can red pill them otherwise you know who cares that they vote one time in a in a meaningless vote in an election that they, we have no chance of winning zero percent chance of winning the libertarians if there was ever going to be a year it was 2016 and they completely blew that that was the one chance they had to make an actual splash, and they fell right on their fucking face. So the goal here should not be to get votes for, liber for the Libertarian Party candidate. That doesn't matter. That's what they were all focused on last time around when they had Gary Johnson and Bill Weld. Uh, so they got, they got, oh, more votes than ever before. Oh, okay. But what did it get you? It got you nothing because they didn't convert anybody to libertarianism. They just had you had two of the worst candidates to ever run for president. And you had a bunch of people that couldn't bring themselves to vote for Donald Trump and couldn't bring themselves to vote for Hillary Clinton. So I'll vote for this Gary guy. Uh, OK, a, a one time vote. Then what do you get? You got nothing. You got nothing because you're not changing minds. You're not winning minds. You're, you're just getting one time votes. And this is the problem I have with Amash at running for running on the libertarian ticket. He is not the messenger I want. He does not promote the ideas or the principles of libertarianism. He does a terrible job of it. And while we may see eye to eye on some issues, he's I can't sit here and watch him squander these opportunities. He sucks. He just sucks. You know, he's starting to get some big time interviews interviews and articles written about him and and this is his moment and and this was uh i don't know if this was saturday night or something i forget when he, he uh johnny the jew texted me but i had just seen the only thing that i had seen other than like a couple tweets about him running was an article in forbes and this was uh, as soon as i saw this headline i just knew that he's his approach is not the what i want the libertarian candidate to be taking. This is not how I think he should approach spreading the the principles of liberty. Okay. And and the article is as president, Justin Amash says, I would protect transgender Americans. Okay. And I don't even need to read the rest of the article. I, I did and I scanned through it and I mean it it it's exactly what you think it would would be. He starts talking about LGBTQ rights and how he's going to protect them with, you know, uh, sexism legislation that we already have and all these rules. Listen, that is not how you differentiate yourself as a libertarian. OK, and, and, and Johnny is like, well, I, I think it, you know, it kind of shows that he's not like one of these Republican guys and he can he can sort of run to the right of Republicans on on limited government stuff. And then he can run to the left of Joe Biden on social issues and like things like this. Trying to ingratiate yourself 
to the social justice warriors of the world, to these people that, that believe transgender rights are this huge issue. They are not going to accept you the second you say anything else that they disagree with. So this is a waste of time pandering to the transgender community and all of the SJWs that want to take up their cause. And this virtue signaling, this cheap, phony virtue signaling is saying these things that it takes no guts in today's society to come out and say that you're for transgender rights. This is banal. This is boring. Say something interesting. Lead with a real fucking issue. How about that? How about you lead with a a libertarian issue? Or at least get this one right, because he's wrong on this issue. He's not framing it correctly, at least. But you have you you have Forbes doing an article about you, and you ta- start talking about LGBTQ rights? That's going to be your thing? That's the hill you want to die on? That's dumber than it, the impeachment of Donald Trump. You, you could take anything. There's like 10 off the top of my head that would be better to talk about. Uh, how about the fact that we're, we're spending trillions of dollars every uh, two weeks now? Uh, we're $25 trillion in debt. We're living, it, <laughs> we're living in quarantine, for Christ's sake. We're not allowed to leave our house. We're being forced to wear masks everywhere. We are living under the biggest authoritarian power grab, the biggest overreach of government that we've ever seen in our lives. And you're talking about transgender people. I mean, come on, man. This is a non-issue, and he's actually getting the issue wrong. Okay, we don't, libertarianism is about individual rights. You, you have rights as an individual. You don't have special rights because you're part of this LGBTQ community, this group that we've granted special privileges to by government decree. You don't get special privileges or special rights or your rights aren't any different from anybody else because you've decided on some bizarre gender identity. No, that has no bearing on what kind of rights you get. It's about rights as an individual, and we all have rights as individual human beings. And that's not the case he's making there. So, I mean, right off the bat, this is the first thing I saw, and I was like, this is going to be a disaster. I just listened to an episode of part of the problem and they broke down. He was on uh, Sunday morning, uh, meet the press, huge, huge opportunity to introduce yourself to the world, introduce libertarianism to, I don't know, millions of people. I mean, that's gotta be the, one of the biggest political shows, right? It's, it's definitely the longest running, I think. And now you've got the entire country on lockdown Everybody's sitting in their home. Everybody's on their couch in front of their TV. So more people than ever are probably watching this. And not only are you running on a a third-party ticket that has no chance of winning that not a lot of people pay attention to, you're also a nobody. Nobody knows who the fuck Justin Amash is. Nobody cares who Justin Amash is. And I wonder why. Because he says shit like that. So this is a, a, an unbelievable opportunity to stake your territory, to put your name on the map, to get people to talk about you, to get people to think about libertarianism. And I mean, I, I don't want to you know, do too much on this because I think Dave did a, a great job breaking it down, but it was just a, a nothing burger. 
There was nothing there. He said nothing compelling. It was a disaster. This guy sucks, okay? He sucks. Yeah, he might vote well. Like, he's fine if he's going to be a congressman or if he wants to be in the Senate and he wants to just shut up and vote, fine. But he is not going to be the mouthpiece that we need for libertarianism to spread these ideas, to convert people to this ideology. To, to get people to question the, the system that they have right now, to red pill people. He's not the guy to do it. All he did, he, he, he talked for, he had minutes on this show speaking directly to the American people to explain why he's running as a libertarian, as libertarian for president. And he couldn't, he had nothing. It was all just a bunch of political platitudes. It was boring, nothing compelling, nothing risky, nothing that's going to grab people's attention and, and make them curious and make them want to look into this a little more. It was all just the same shit that everybody says. The stimulus, I would have done it a little differently than this, and we need to get more help to the people, and you know we shouldn't be bailing out big corporations. That was one of his answers. It was there, there was nothing he said that was different from what anybody else, any other candidate would say, a Republican or Democrat. Nothing. There was nothing unique. There was nothing compelling. And, you know, I'm running some uh, I'm running some ads this week for this podcast. And believe me, I would kill for a, a couple of minutes and he didn't have to pay anything for this. This is free for him to go on TV. I would kill to get uh, five minutes on, on national TV to, to promote the ideas of, of liberty and this podcast. And I would, I would be saying something a lot more compelling. But I'm running some ads on uh, actually the, the Part of the Problem podcast this week. I, I've got several ad reads coming up with that, and they're, they're going to run a, a couple minutes of this podcast on their show. And I had to come up with a, a five-minute clip or a shorter clip than that that I wanted, you know, that's a that's a much bigger podcast, which is why I want to advertise on their show. They've got anywhere from I think ten to thirty thousand downloads an episode, something like that. A, a much bigger audience that I could potentially reach and tap into. And I spent all all Sunday morning and afternoon sifting through old episodes, trying to find a clip because I only have a couple minutes. Maybe these people are going to listen to it. Maybe they're not. But I had to find something that I wanted them to listen to that was compelling, that gave them an, an idea of what this show is about, that gave them a, a, a reason to say, hmm, who the hell is this guy? Maybe I should check out his, his podcast. And believe me, I, I mean, I think what I, I came up with is, was pretty good. I mean, there's obviously there's just so much great material on this show. That's why it was really so hard, was, was just figuring out which fantastic clip to play for people, obviously. But, uh, I, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time and I put a lot of thought into what I wanted to be known for. What I wanted, because you're introducing yourself to people for the first time, and this is probably the only time they're going to listen to you. So what do you want them to hear? And what Justin Amash wants you to know about libertarianism is, well, it's, you know, the, the system is, is basically good. It just needs to be tweaked a little bit. 
And um, I, I would have done things a little bit differently. I, I would have given money directly to people. I, w- I wouldn't have gone through uh, companies and done the PPP thing. I, I, I would have done it this way. And you know, generally, the system works pretty well. I would just do it a little differently. And Donald Trump is, is too uh, incompetent. And the Democrats aren't aren't ta- aren't um, aren't resonating. Their message isn't resonating with enough of Americans. I want to unite everybody and bring everybody. Blah blah blah. All that crap that everybody hears. All of these political platitudes. It was a disaster. It, it, this guy sucks. Okay, Johnny the Jew likes him. <laughs> I mean, I don't not like him. I'm just I'm so disappointed in in what we have as representation for libertarianism. And it's just the, you can't, you can't come out there with this milk toast banal crap that everybody hears that nobody's going to be interested in. I mean, he put me to sleep immediately and I already know who this guy is. And uh, believe me, I wanted him to say the right things. He, He just didn't do, he basically said nothing right. It was a complete and epic failure. The only thing he got right was he didn't do he didn't have like a huge gaffe like uh what's a what's Aleppo he didn't have that so he didn't completely tank any chance of of having a a, a campaign but short of that he accomplished absolutely nothing he did not grab anyone's attention nobody is interested in him right now um, Johnny the Jew's been following him on Twitter. He says he's been tweeting out a lot of stuff that he agreed with. That's great. But when you get on national TV and you have the undivided attention of millions and millions of Americans, you have to come out swinging and you have to make an impression. And he just he just really dropped the ball here. And it was kind of par for the course. He, he has He's been swinging and missing for the last two years, if you ask me. A lot of bizarre stuff, a lot of weird fights that he's been picking for for no reason, and I I just don't I don't like his judgment, I don't like his message, and uh, that's my long winded way of saying, if you're going to support a libertarian candidate, support Jacob Hornberger. He's far better at this, and he actually is right on all of these issues and can articulate them, and uh, I I just think Justin Amash is is a disaster, and uh, I don't know. So that's what's going on. That that was the uh, the the big story, I guess, uh, in my circles these uh, these last couple of days. But like I said, part of the problem did a whole segment on this. They played the clips. If you want to go hear Justin Amash uh, make his pitch yourself, if you missed it, and Dave will uh, tell you in detail exactly how he got everything wrong. And I couldn't agree more. I I, I think he was spot on. Anyway, the more I think about this whole ordeal. And the more articles you see come out about the repercussions of this this whole shutdown. I mean, not only I've gone over the economics of this before, and we've got 30 plus million people out of work because of this. But if you think back to how the hospitals were initially treating this, every you know, COVID took priority over everything. And it looks like I, I was I was reading some articles. I, I'm not going to go through the whole article um, on the episode because I don't think you really need to do that in order to get the gist of my argument here. But this shutdown is is having profound repercussions on society, and a lot of them are worse than the virus itself. 
and they gave us this doomsday scenario where millions of people were going to die. And then it was, oh, well, we don't want to overrun the hospitals and we need to flatten the curve and we need to make sure that we have enough, you know, health care for everybody that needs it. And so just stay home and and until this whole thing blows over, until we get a better grip on things and we're in a better position to handle the influx of patients and all that stuff, which we did. We did that. I've been doing that since March 9th and we've achieved everything that they could have possibly hoped for. If you had told them back in March that by May we we would ha- only have like 60,000 people dead of this and we'd flatten the curve and everything like that, they would have been ecstatic compared to the they were projecting like a million back then. Hundreds of thousands were supposed to be dead. So by any measure, this isn't as bad as they thought it was going to be in terms of the virus, in terms of everything else, like the unemployment is just devastating. Okay, we haven't gotten the GDP numbers yet, but those are going to be, you know, we're probably going to have a a 20 percent contraction there, which has a very profound effect on people's lives. And then when you think about the other medical care that people have had to go without, one estimate that that I read in this article was that the number of people that are going to now die from undiagnosed cancer is going to surpass the number of people that died from coronavirus during this time period. Because these people have cancer and they are not able to seek medical attention, they're not able to uh, have it looked at to get it to catch it early enough, it's going to spread and it's going to kill them and it's going to kill as many or more. This article was claiming thousands more than the coronavirus did. So what are we actually accomplishing here? These are these are curable, uh, treatable cancers. These do not have to be a death sentence unless you shut down everything for the coronavirus. And then, of course, you have millions and millions of kids that are being driven into abject poverty because their their parents can't work. Worldwide, millions of kids. And that abject poverty is going to lead to un- untold amount of, uh, of suffering and death. I mean, poverty is probably one of the leading, leading causes of death when you, when you really break it down. And you just have to wonder... Why I know not everybody's on board with me just being like, fuck this, I'm, I'm done with it. But you at least have to question whether or not this was all worth it. I think you really have to do that. And you have to look at just how bad of an approach to, to this whole thing. The entire government response was, and I've done episodes on how they botched everything from the very beginning here. I was talking to a guy on the phone today. This is for work. And, you know, he's he's in the boonies in Illinois. And people, I, they, they don't seem to realize that there is a vast difference between an urban area like Chicago and then downstate Illinois when you're in the boonies. He's got 10,000 people in his county. Okay. They have, he said they had one confirmed case. One of coronavirus and yet they're under the same government edicts the same mandates that we are shelter in place don't go outside you can't go outside without a mask you 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 can't go to restaurants you can't go uh fishing you can't go to park you can't do anything you can't have crowds of more than six people why why are we applying the this is just the the perfect example of how inept and retarded 
government policies are because there's no nuance. There's nothing like we're spreading. We have a, a, a finite amount of resources and we're instead of trying to focus those resources on the areas of society where they're most needed. Like now we know for a fact that uh, people over the age of 45 with underlying health conditions, those are the people that need to worry about this. Everybody else, it's not a big deal. It's really not a big deal, okay? The vast majority of people that this pre presents a serious problem for are in a certain age range, a certain demographic, and have certain underlying medical conditions. So instead of focusing all of our resources on them, the government tries to do everything for everybody and spreads the resources way too thin so nobody gets what they need out of this. Everybody just gets a little, a little fraction of what they need, and it does nobody any good. But government has no other way of, do, of doing this. They really don't. Like The bigger and more centralized the government is, the more these types of problems are exacerbated. You, you want, like I always say, government is a cancer. To the extent that you have it, you want it as small and as localized as possible. What business does the federal government have telling, you know, some bumblefuck county in Illinois how to have their citizens deal with this crisis? It's completely different in bumblefuck Illinois than it is in Washington, D.C. Completely different. Okay, and it's completely different in New York than it is in Kansas, in Kansas, as it is in California. These are all different scenarios, and they need to be handled on a local level, on a case-by-case -case basis. There has to be some nuance here. It can't just be this uh, one-size-fits-all government edict bullshit. It doesn't do anybody any good, and there's still no evidence that this shutdown has done anything. I mean, it's almost impossible to prove otherwise, you know, that it would have been worse if we hadn't. We have some examples here of countries that are handling it a little different, Sweden being one of them. There, there's really no definitive evidence that this is that what we're doing is the right approach to this. Like we don't know how bad this would have been if we had done nothing. And and you have to weigh all of these other um, variables, all these other problems that you're causing, like I said, with the cancer, with the unemployment, with people's, people's lives are being ruined. And for what? For what? For, for a disease that it's killing 0.01% of people. So you have people, you're asking people that have been working their entire lives toward a, a goal. They, maybe they've built a company. Maybe they've built a career. They, they've worked 12, 15-hour days. They've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on education, uh, unfortunately, because of the government as well. But everything they've worked for is being taken away from them by people that do not have a right to do that. Nobody, nobody has the right to claim a portion of your life, no matter what. You don't have the right to steal people's lives from them. And that's what's going on here. We're having a portion of our lives stolen from us. Just stay in your house. Stay safe. Stay home. Stay safe or whatever. Don't go outside. Just, just sit there. I mean, talk about privileged, to use a, a, left, a lefty term. I mean, is there anything more privileged than just saying, oh, well, don't worry about your your 
feeding your family or your business that you worked 10 years to build and you finally got off the ground and you you took out loans and a second mortgage on your house to fund your business and uh, just don't worry people are getting the uh the flu for a couple days so just stay home and if your business crumbles if you can't feed your family just don't worry about it it's no big deal you're not an essential you're you're not an essential uh employee here we don't really need you you just stay home and wait for the government to cut you a little check for 1200 bucks and you can uh try to stretch that for what what's going on 2 months now $1200 for 2 months i mean give me a fucking break give me a break and by the way $1200 in Kansas City, Missouri goes a lot farther than it does in San Francisco or something out on the coast or in a big city. Just another example of the problem with one-size-fits-all gigantic bureaucracies. Could you imagine any of these fucking politicians having to go on $1,200 for uh, a month and a half? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Pritzker's fat fucking mouth breathing. He spends $1,200 on sausages every other week. Just shoving sausage down his fat fucking gullet. Screw these guys. Screw these guys. This is ridiculous what they're asking people to do. They're telling them that they can't pursue their ambitions or their aspirations because you're afraid of getting sick? No. You're, you're saying that they can't see their family? They can't see their friends? You have to live cooped up in your house like a, I don't know, like a, like a handicapped person or something. They have to put their whole lives on hold. They have to watch everything that they've built, everything that they've worked for, just get completely destroyed. You get to take away all the things that give people joy and satisfaction in life, you know, human connections, interactions. You're taking away all of this stuff from people. And, and for what? Because you're afraid of getting sick. I mean, look, if you want to continue to live your life like that, like I just described, for the next year, year and a half, as some of these politicians are trying to do, maybe indefinitely, I mean, who knows how much longer, they could just keep extending this. Every month we get to the, you know, it was two weeks initially, and then it was, okay, well, now we got to wait another two weeks. And now, well, we better wait another month just to make sure. Okay, well, what's going to happen in in a month from now? I guarantee you it's not just like go back to your lives. No, no. They'll they'll come up with some other excuse as to why they need to extend this. But if you want to keep living like that, if you're really afraid of this virus or you're really at risk for getting coronavirus and having a lot of medical complications, go ahead. Live like a vegetable. That's on you. Take whatever precaution you deem necessary to protect yourself and the people that you care about. But you do not, you do not get to demand that people do these things on your behalf. You do not get to steal a portion of people's lives. I'm sorry, you just don't have the right to do that. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a regular person just living in society or you're you're one of these politicians or some bureaucrat that thinks that you, oh, I heard a clip of uh, Lori Lightfoot. Let's see if I have time to play that. You get to see how really these politicians think of you. But if you're one of these politicians that think that you just have authority over all of us, no, you don't. And you don't get to do this. And I know this may not be a popular opinion, a popular position to take these days, but I I don't care. I don't care anymore. And I do think as time goes by, we will start to see more and more people coming around to my way of thinking about this. 
because life is a risk. Every time you go outside, you're taking huge risks, some of them far greater than the coronavirus. And some of these risks are acceptable for some people. Some of them aren't. It's up to the individual to decide. Sure, there are precautions that we can all take and be mindful of and can social distance or we can not shake hands and things like that. But it's up to the individual ultimately to decide how they want to live their life as long as they're going about doing it in a peaceful way and they're engaging in voluntary interactions. If you want to withdraw from society and stay locked up in your house because you're afraid of getting sick, okay, that's fine. But you don't get to dictate to the rest of the world how they should live their lives. You don't have the right to do that. Just as we don't try to dictate to gay people how they need to live or how they need to pursue their desires or not pursue their desires, just as we allow someone to live whatever bizarre gender identity that somebody comes up with, I mean, they can identify as a cow for all I care. Go out to the pasture and eat some grass. Be a cow person. <laughs> have somebody, have someone milk you. Uh, a salute. God bless. Have fun with that. You do you. But you don't get to force your beliefs, and some, in some cases, your retarded beliefs, or your lifestyle, or anything else on other peaceful people just trying to go about their own existence the way they want to exist. You see, these are the cornerstones of libertarianism on, on full display here. Individual rights, property rights, and the non-aggression principle. But of course, nobody knows any of this because Amash talks for 10 minutes and none of this ever comes up. He's wasting time on the groups, the gay people, gender identity. Well, <laughs> I'm going to show you what they all have in common right here and why libertarianism is the way to approach everything. We have rights as individual human beings, okay? We should not be being divided up into groups and granting them granting these special groups privileges all of these special privileges by government decree okay we have property rights your body is your property you can do with it what you will as long as you aren't violating the rights of others your business is your property operate it how you see fit if you want to demand that all of your customers wear a mask like UPS and stand six feet apart, okay, that's your call. I, I won't be patronizing your establishment anytime soon, but these are the choices that we are both free to make. You are free to run your business the way you see fit, and I'm free to decide whether or not I actually want to patronize you. The government doesn't have the right to tell people how to run their businesses what sort of rules and regulations they need to implement. And they shouldn't be able to force a business to require their customers to wear certain things any more than they should be able to dictate to a, a business how to bake a cake or for whom they must bake it. They don't have the right or the authority, even under their own governing documents, you know, those ones that they swore an oath to uphold. They don't have the right to demand we stay in our houses or demand that when we leave, we wear some government-sanctioned outfit. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this was supposed to work. And as far as I'm concerned, this pandemic 
just highlights everything that is wrong with government and the role that it has taken in our lives. Like I said, some fat mouth-breathing bureaucrat stops shoveling sausages down his gullet just long enough to let his subjects know that they can't go outside without a mask on? Based on what? On what authority? Where does it say that you have the authority to do that in one of those documents that you swore an oath to defend and uphold? Since when do you have control over all the property and all the territory? And you see, this is just another example of why we need strict property rights. No government property, no public property, because everything just gets jumbled and nobody knows who controls what. If this is public property, why is the government dictating to the public how it can be used? I'm sorry, I thought this was the people's uh, beach, the people's park. Califor- out in California, they're, they're trying to close down the people's beach. Well, whose beach is it? Does it belong to the government or does it belong to the people? And if it's public property, if it belongs to the people, well, then who decides what's acceptable on it? You see how, how uh, we really get into the weeds here? When everybody owns something, uh, nobody owns it. And if you need an answer to whose beach it is, well, just look around and see what happens to people who violate the government order. And you'll find out real quick who really thinks they, they have ownership over that piece of land. You see, we tell ourselves these lies that these government officials, they work for us. I saw this on Twitter just this morning, actually, and I think I commented on it because there was this clip of Lori Lightfoot. Well, here, let me see if I can play it. Now, I've directed Superintendent Brown to order all police districts to give special attention to these parties. And this is how it's going to be. We will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail, period. There should be nothing unambiguous about that. Don't make us treat you like a criminal. But if you act like a criminal and you violate the law and you refuse to do what is necessary to save lives in the city in the middle of a pandemic, we will take you to jail, period. You got that? You got that? Don't act like a criminal. Or we'll, we'll, put you in a, we'll put you in a cage if you get together with some of your friends. That's, that's who these people are. That is Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago. And that is how she views you. Okay, You, you, you think she thinks that she works for you? Uh, this is a lie that we tell ourselves. This is a fantasy. And, it, and the reality of it is on full display. It's a lie that we've been taught to tell ourselves our entire lives to distract us from the undeniable fact that there are two types of people in this world. There are those that rule, Lori Lightfoot, and there are those that are ruled, the people that she's going to throw in a cage for having a party. Now you tell me who the criminal is here. You tell me who's violating the law. The people that are exercising their God-given right, their right to a freedom of association, freedom of assembly, or the person who is rounding them up at gunpoint and throwing them in a cage. Who's the real criminal here? And who works for who? I mean, this is just, just try telling any of these politicians they work for you. They'll laugh in your face if there's not a camera on. Go disobey one of these government edicts and you'll find out very quickly who actually works. For who? But this is what we keep telling ourselves, even in the face of things like that. We will shut you down. 
if you try to live your life. And we will throw you in a cage because you're forcing us to. You're forcing, you're forcing our hand because you want to go about living your life. I mean, these are supposed to be your elected representatives, right? That's another fantasy you tell yourself. That these people, oh, we elect them and they go and represent our interests in society. <laughs> I mean, just think about how impossible that is from a practical standpoint. How can we all be represented simultaneously? They certainly aren't representing me. I think I've made that abundantly clear. I've never had any representation. I wholeheartedly disagree with everything that has ever come out of the mouth of Lori Lightfoot. Ever. She's never said anything I agree with. Or any of these politicians, for, for that matter. And they're supposed to be my representatives? That's how this works? Where's my representation? Oh, oh yeah, it's that uh, a good old democracy, right? Well, I mean, that's just another euphemism for tyranny of the majority. That's 51% deciding on how the other 49% get to live their lives. At least that's in theory how it's supposed to work. It doesn't even do that in practice. That's how inept democracy is, the, the, the holy sacrament of democracy. I mean, only about half of eligible voters in America actually vote, and that's already a fraction of society. So it's probably more like 30% of America determining how the other 70% live, something like that. This is the system that we have. So the vast majority of people are at the mercy of not even the majority, just a minority of people who get to rule over all of us. And the beautiful thing about adhering to libertarian principles, free market principles, property rights, is that the smallest minority still gets representation in the marketplace. I mean, just look around at all of the obscure niche markets that are out there catering to the smallest minorities of people. I guarantee you that if you actually wanted to live like a cow, if you're going to go be a cow person, there's somebody out there that will sell you a bunch of cow stuff to help you with that. I mean, that's how the market works. It provides for the smallest minority of people. You could probably even find a surgeon who will go give you like a fucking tail or something. I don't know. <laughs> but I guarantee you, if you wanted to become a cow and live like a cow, there would be people in the marketplace to help assist you with that. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. But how many people, I mean, how many cow people are there out there? I'm just going to stay with this retarded analogy. <laughs> I don't even know if this is an actual thing, but... I'm sure it is. It's got to be. There's so many crazy people out there. Uh, what if the only way that cow people could fulfill their lifelong desire to be a cow was through voting and government, and they had to convince enough people to get on board with their bizarre cow lifestyles and find a government representative that would take up their cause? I mean, how would that ever work? There'd never be, they'd never get to be a cow. What kind of bullshit is that? Who would want that kind of system where a cow person doesn't get to be a cow? We should want a system that provides the most freedom and the most opportunity to the most people. And when you look around at everything that has ever been tried throughout human history, the answer is obvious. It's obvious. It's free markets. It's voluntary interactions. And it's a respect for property rights and the principle of non-aggression. And that's what libertarian comes down to. Those things. It's, it's that simple, 
It's that straightforward. And if we would all embrace it, embrace it just a little bit, instead of rejecting it wholeheartedly like you're seeing people do left and right now, if we could just embrace a little bit of it, we'll, we'll see an incredible explosion in the standard of living and the happiness and well-being of everybody. But if we go the opposite way and we continue to, to lock everything down and we continue to look toward the, the federal government and some gigantic government apparatus to, to provide everything and to come up with these edicts on how we're supposed to live our lives, and if we do what Justin Amash wants to do and just keep this system and, and maybe do things a little differently but pretty much the same, just reach out to more people and bring more people together, whatever the hell that means, the vast majority of us who are not getting proper representation are going to fall through the cracks. And uh, I'm going to wrap there, guys. Do me a favor. Make sure you share the show with a couple people you know. Download and subscribe. Give me a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars if you think the show is worth it. Follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. And don't forget to go to PedalingFictionPodcast.com if you want to become a supporting listener of the show. And if you can do all that for me, I will be back later this week with a brand new episode for you. And until then, just remember to keep on pedaling that so-called fiction. Fiction.